Welcome, everybody, to the Monthly Movie Dispatch. I'm Nick Moffat, and I'm here with Brandon Bowlby. Hey, guys. Derek Deal. Hello. And Sean Bowlby. That's me. You guys may have noticed that we've changed the name. We're gone with the name Sharing Podcast with Friends. We are now officially the Monthly Movie Dispatch, where we're going to be every month talking about what movies came out that month, which ones we liked, which ones we saw, which ones maybe we didn't like, but... We're kind of changing the format of the podcast to go from once a quarter to once a month, and we're going to be just talking about movies and what we liked and what we didn't like. So this episode is our big kind of season finale episode where we're going to be wrapping up 2017. So you may ask, why are you doing 2017 now? It's the middle of February. Um, The reason why we do our movie calendar between... February to February is because of the Academy Awards and also because a lot of the best movies don't come out until January and February. Brandon, do you want to explain that further at all? Yeah, I mean, at the very end of December, a ton of the Indian foreign films get released. And so even just to see a lot of the like top Oscar films, you kind of have to bleed into the new year to make it realistic. On top of that, there's a ton of like early festival foreign films that don't even get their proper release until January and February. So it's pretty unrealistic and it's always kind of annoyed me when top 10 lists come out at the end of the year, unless you have a chance to actually go to all these indie festivals throughout. So I like the way we do it. Yeah, I can actually see everything I intend to see. Yeah, like I've always had the opinion of I don't want to make my end of the year list until I'm pretty sure that I've seen all the ones that are available to me. I will say that there are movies that you have more ac- accessibility to see because you're in New York than me who was in Seattle. Like, there still are movies that have not come out over here yet. Yeah, you got to find that balance between when you're just going flat out into 2018. And I think two months in is kind of what we've all agreed on is a good buffer time. Yeah, so the Academy Awards is this Sunday, so we kind of see that as like the end point of, hey, you know, the mo- the movie year is starting over after the Academy Awards. So uh, this is going to be our top ten episode. We're going to be doing one at a time, saying what each of our movies are, number ten, number ten, number ten, number ten, going around in a circle. The thing is we're using the punt rule. We've taken this rule from the top ten podcast. You can find that on the Schmoes No Network. It stars Matt Nose and John Roca, and their whole thing is you punt it if it's coming later. So if I say a number 10 movie and Brandon or Derek or Sean has it later on in their list, they say punt. We don't talk about the movie until... It's the furthest along. So if my number 10 is someone else's number one, we're not going to talk about that until we get to the number one. So first things first, um, I want to talk about general impressions of the year. Brandon, how many movies did you see? So honestly, since I've been digging kind of deep into films these last four and five years, this has been the most standout year. I feel like there has been so much to go see and it's been so hard to keep up especially these last handful of months. It's been really fun seeing this like onslaught of incredible films that I have access to. Uh, I beat my record, which was held last year at 120 films, with 121 films this year for 2017. So I just barely slid by beating my previous year's record. With more to come? Um, or are you, you feel like you got it with 121. 
Oh, this is it. Like they, it just happened to land on 121. Right. Um, I'm calling right. it. I'm moving on uh, to <laughs> 2018. I've already started yeah. 2018 a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about the number for sure. Cool. Derek, what about you? How was your movie year? Uh, <clears throat> overall, it was really good. I started off really good. I was seeing a lot of movies, but the second half of the year, I kind of fell off. Didn't have a chance to catch a lot of the movies I wanted to see, but it it seems to be like similar to what Brandon said. Like this year has a crazy amount of just good movies. Like my backlog of this year is over thirty movies deep already. Um, and there's so many, even just uh, Oscar nominations that I haven't even had a chance to go watch. And it's just a big year for a lot of my favorite directors came out with movies this year. And it seems like they're all getting the recognition they deserve. And so overall, I've been really, just really happy about everything that's happened this year, movie-wise. Cool. Sean, what about you? Um, yeah, it was a, actually a really good year for me. Um, I didn't have anywhere near 121 movies. I, did, I had uh, 41 movies so far, but there's... There's a few more to come. Um, I definitely didn't see any movies that I really didn't like uh, this year, so I was I was able to avoid some of the a bunch of the stinkers. Uh, but yeah, it was a uh, it's a good year. Well, cool. Um, yeah, it, again, it was a great year for movies for me. I feel like even with the blockbusters, I was pretty happy with all of them. Like I'm a big comic book movie fan. Um, like I. I, all the comic book movies that came out were all really exciting, um, but then all the indies were also really great. Uh, my goal for the year with movies was to hit 150, so I was pushing myself all year to see as many movies as I can, and I, I hit my goal. I got 150 last night. Whoa. Um, I'm pretty happy about that. Wow. I will say I'm not going to do that next year. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I am not even going to try to get to 150, let alone like 100. I'm just going to kind of be more natural about it next year and just see what I want to see. Um, I have other movie-related goals for next year. Most of them have to do with movies that have come out in years past. Like I have a, I have a list of 100 movies that I made that I'm just trying to watch in the calendar year. So, um, yeah, but it was a great year. Um, and uh, I'm just excited to talk to you guys about it, and I'm curious about what you have on your list. So let's get into it and do our top tens. Okay, so we're going to start with Brandon. Uh, what was your number 10 movie? Wow. Okay, here we go. So my number 10 is a little movie called Dunkirk, directed by Christopher Punt. 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 Punt it. Right. Wait, three punts? How many punts do we have? Uh, ju- no, Three just punt one guess. punt. I was just repeating it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, two no. punts. I, I, two punts. Okay. All right. We'll uh, All right. talk about that later. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it later. So, uh, Derek, what is your number 10? It's my number 10 movie. is actually It. It? Uh, yeah. Ooh. This is probably my most recommended movie this year, too. Whenever people are asking me, like, what, what did I really like this year, I... I like pointing to it, just it kind of like, I don't know, like it was one of my favorite movie experiences this year. It's definitely one of the most exciting crowds to go see the movie with. And there was something that like just felt good about showing up to the movie theater and not being able to buy tickets because the movie was sold out. I haven't had that happen in a really long time. 
and uh, so that was really cool. But then, besides that, the movie itself, I thought it was just really, really great. Um, it kind of blended uh, the horror genre with the coming of age story. Really well done. And based off the trailers, you know they were really scary and leading into it. But it's so hard to pull off this movie, like, and actually make it really good. And um, I think they just nailed it. It was so much fun, and all the kid actors were so great. And uh, it's just it was a really refreshing uh, remake. You know, we don't get to see something of that quality that often. I feel like so. Yeah, so it's my number ten. I will say. I actually saw this really recently, Derek, and I was I was pretty mad I didn't see it in theaters because I loved it. I thought it was so well made. Yeah. And it looked incredible. Like this director is someone to look out for. I think he's only done like one movie in the past, Mama. And yeah. I looked at the budget and expected it to be over a hundred million just because the movie looked so expensive. And I saw that it was only a thirty-five million dollar film. And that was pretty, like, jaw-dropping. They did an incredible job. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the larger blockbusters this year, too. I was actually about to say, like, it's the the only horror film I can remember in uh, recent years that I actually really liked that had a, had a big budget and, you know, kind of big studio horror film. But I guess it wasn't as big as I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was fairly moss budget, great kid acting, uh, made a buttload of money. You know, the the clown really struck a nerve with people. Uh, yeah, I was very happy with it as well. So that movie was It. You can find that on streaming or on DVD. It's available now. So my number 10 was A Ghost Story. Ooh. No punts? No. Cool. Nope. So A Ghost Story is... A really wonderful small film about about a ghost. It is not a horror film, but it's just a movie where tragedy happens and someone just is a ghost. And I have to say it's one of the quietest movies I've seen in a long time. It's slow, but it's short, so it kind of goes by pretty quick. But I just I just rewatched this for a second time and because I, I wanted to see how much I liked it. Because the first time I saw it in the theater and I thought it was really powerful, but I didn't really enjoy the experience because of how quiet it was. And it wasn't because I wasn't really sure what to expect with it. So I rewatched it and the pacing was actually a lot better than I thought. And it's really just a meditation on time and loneliness and what you leave behind. And it's, it's a really special movie. I don't really want to give too much away, but it is like kind of a time travel movie and it has a lot of big ideas about the universe and stuff. It's, it's a challenging movie to watch, but you know, that's part of why I put it in my top 10 is because I think it, it pushes the limits of what film is like it kind of makes you makes you think and it, it makes you really focus on it so um a ghost story i highly recommend it have you guys seen this movie yeah i'm really happy yeah you put this on your list nick because this was what was battling for my number 10 it's sitting on my number 11 spot really even over some movies in my top 10 like there's just so much like iconic imagery and style in a ghost story that'll probably stick with me for many more years than some of these other ones. And yeah, I'm kind of sad. I couldn't include it because it is pretty masterful. 
that was partly why I had to include it was because after I watched it, like I said, I wasn't sure how much I liked it, but I just kept thinking about it. Like it was one of those movies that it really stuck with me. And I, I seriously, no joke, think about this movie like once a week. Like I just, I just, something will pop up and an image will be in my head from it or an idea from it or whatever. Like I just, I think about this movie all the time because it's such a special, interesting film. It's definitely a movie where uh, they decided to do one thing and one thing only. Show that one thing, which is kind of the, the passing of time in this movie. And uh, yeah, it's a, I, I like that kind of idea of movies. And I've never seen anyone take out a pie like Rooney Mara in that movie. Oh my gosh, that was such an emotional scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was A Ghost Story. It's available on Amazon Prime, and you can get it on DVD and Blu-ray. So, Sean, what is your number 10? My number 10 is Mother! Punt. For sure, punt. (laughs) That is called a punt. You ruined Sean's title moment. (laughs) (laughs) Should I have screamed that? Punt! You'll have to one-up him next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're back to Brandon. Brandon, what was your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Punt. Punt. Already. <laughs> Brandon doesn't get to talk this podcast. <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay, so uh, Derek, what is your number nine? My number nine was a little movie called The Big Sick. Ooh. It was, uh, again, it was like a crazy theatrical experience for me um really emotional a lot of people crying a lot of people laughing really hard but overall i just thought it was a really wonderful movie and um i'm a really big fan of emily gordon and camille nanjiani so i'm really excited they got the academy award nomination and i'm really curious like if this is the start of like a career for them in writing i know it's a pretty personal story but um i mean they told it really well and it was really funny and really just genuine and uh yeah i just really love the movie yeah i love that movie too i really wish it could have made my top 10 um i just to me it was a great year for family dramas like there were there were three or four family dramas that really stood out for me that were like like any other year one of them would like like any of them could have made my top 10, but this year was so tight. I just, I couldn't find room for the big sick, but yeah, it, it was such a personal, hilarious, well-acted movie. Um, it's definitely the easiest movie for me to recommend of this year. It's, it's funny. It's, you know, it'll make you cry. It'll make you laugh. It has a little bit of everything. It's lighthearted. It's, you know, well-paced it. Yeah. It's an easy movie to recommend to people. Yeah, for sure. And for like a romantic comedy, it's it takes some unconventional like twists on the story that are really unique. Mm-hmm. But I think you do bring up an interesting point, Derek. <clears throat> whether this being kind of their first project together like this, whether they'll be able to move forward and make something else that's just as creative and funny, um, or if you right. know they'll because this was so personal to them, if this will just be their like garden state and they'll just kind of pull a Zach Braff and disappear. But right. it'll be interesting to see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so that was The Big Sick. It is available for streaming right now on Amazon Prime, or you can get it on DVD or Blu-ray. So um, I guess it will come to me then. My number nine is Get Out. 
Punt. Punt. Great. Perfect. Hmm. Wow. Cool. So, Sean, what is your number nine? My number nine is Detroit. <gasps> oh. Oh. Did I, did everyone forget that this movie came out this no, year? I haven't definitely see, didn't forget. I didn't get around to watching. I haven't it. I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, I've seen 150 movies and not this one. <laughs> Whoa, Nick! <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, this is probably one of the only American movies that's going to come up today that I haven't seen because I'm sure Brandon will have oh. a few foreign films that I haven't seen. But wow! So, Sean, tell us about Detroit. Yeah, uh, Detroit was a excellent movie that came out this year, um, directed by Catherine Bigelow. A huge cast of great actors, uh, John Boyega, Anthony uh, Mackie. A really good take on, um, on a very specific event. I think that's what Catherine Bigelow and, and her kind of co-writer, co- co-filmmaker Mark Boyle um, do really well. This is their third project together. Uh, the Hurt Locker and uh, Zero Dark Thirty being the other two. Um, I love how detail oriented they are um, in their movies without feeling like the movies are bogged down in detail. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's incredible writing and uh, brilliantly directed. Um, and yeah, I think it's a it's a movie that's kind of been overlooked a little bit this year for very specific reasons. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. I think uh, doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, I'm the only one here, I guess, who's seen it. Um, but Catherine Bigelow, just like in her last two films and Herd Locker, this movie, she's like the master of suspense filmmaking. Like she puts you. Mm-hmm right in front of these characters and makes you feel everything that they're feeling. And this movie is no different than her last two. And it's incredible in that way. That was Detroit. It is actually available on Hulu right now. Um, Otherwise you can stream it uh, for rental on other places or get on Blu-ray or DVD. So Brandon, what is your number eight? My number eight film is raw. Um, This Punt. Punt? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. so funny. Okay, cool. So, Derek, what is your number eight? <laughs> For number eight is Logan. Logan. Um, mm. Yeah. I thought that Logan was... I, I think this year was a year that superhero movies kind of evolved into... Um, or at least the studios are starting to be okay with taking risks in breaking the normal like uh, narrative that they have with all these, especially with Marvel movies. And uh, DC took a big risk with Wonder Woman, and you know we got like Guardians of the Galaxy was will- was willing to take that big blockbuster movie and focus on characters. And like that, I think Logan really did something unique and created this western type like futuristic superhero movie i really focused on these three characters and um it was just on top of that it was also just really well made is james mangold's second uh wolverine movie and hugh jackman's last so uh, a really special movie and i've watched it many times this year one of my favorite movies of the year 
Have you seen the noir version? Gosh. No. I I have, and that actually soured me on Logan a little bit because the noir version doesn't make any sense because it is much more of a Western than noir. There's like hardly any noir qualities about the story, Logan, and also the way it's shot isn't noir-esque in the slightest. So turning it black and white and calling it noir actually kind of bothered me. That's a great point. It was just <laughs> yeah, playing like weird. yesterday at theater nearby me, and so it reminded yeah, me of it. Yeah, no, um, but that's a great point. But, um, but Derek, I'm totally with you. Like, I mean, we've been like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine was one of the first like big mainstream like you know superheroes. Like the X Men, they were right there in the year 2000, right around Spider Man and stuff. And it was like as like mm-hmm. the forefront of like the modern superhero movie, and especially Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the forefront of it, and. To me, this was so much of a Western. It was it was the hero, the grizzled veteran, his last ride, his last job, the last thing they wanted to do was be a hero anymore, except he had one last mission that he had to go on. And he had to trench across this journey, across the country, you know, protecting this girl who he didn't even really want to protect. You know, it was very compelling. And... um I don't know. I personally really liked that it was in the future and it didn't necessarily like everything in the MCU is specific and related to each other. And this movie was just, it was just kind of a standalone possible future of Wolverine, but um, it didn't necessarily fit in with the rest of the timeline, but it didn't really have to because it did just stand on its own. Yeah. uh, It was definitely the movie where as I was making, especially the second half of my list, I would it would be like you know Detroit yeah what's better Detroit mother well are any of them even better than Logan but you know <laughs> yeah. so I definitely like as I was making my list kept popping up and being and uh, yeah but it it didn't actually end up making my list and but yeah part of me wanted it yeah. too. Mm. Um. Well, cool. That was Logan. Um, it's available for it's on Blu-ray and DVD right now, or you could rent it online somewhere. So um, that was Derek's number eight. So my number eight is The Shape of Water. Nice. Anyone? No one? I'm the only one with The Shape of Water? No. Wow. Okay. That's mm-hmm. honestly kind of surprising to me. Um, yeah. No. So The Shape of Water uh, it was the new Guillermo del Toro film. And uh, we've talked about it on other podcasts, but I just, I loved almost everything about this movie. Like, I loved that it was like a throwback to a 1950s horror monster movie, except they flipped the formula. And instead of the monster being the scary force, it was, the monster was a lovely creature and man was the scary thing. And, um... I thought they they did great with the style. The lighting and the cinematography was amazing. Like every shot was beautiful. The the soundtrack was wonderful. And just like you know, I just got wrapped up in the story. You know, I loved I loved the main character. I loved how she was a misfit and she had a disability and she kind of accidentally fell in love with this fish creature i know it's like it's so bizarre but like only gourmet Toro could make this make this beautiful love story about like a fish person and um you know i was enchanted by it so um yeah i loved it yeah i'm sad i couldn't put it on my top 10 but this movie is absolutely immaculate in every aspect and no wonder it got nominated for 13 academy awards because it deserved it 
Yeah, it's it's definitely at my number eleven, and um, maybe part of me uh, didn't put it on the list because uh, you know there are some other movies that I wanted to mention over um, The Shape of Water, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely up there um, as one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh, cool. Well, that was The Shape of Water. It's still in theaters right now. It'll be available at home probably in the next couple months after the Academy Awards. So, um, Sean, what is your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Phantom Thread. Punt. Uh, punt. Yeah. Dear God. Punt. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Cool. Ugh. How dare you put that movie that low? So, Brandon, uh, let's see if you get a pick here. Uh, you're number seven. <laughs> Um, I believe I do finally. Um, my number seven film is called The Breadwinner. Um, Punt. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> you haven't seen it. <clears throat> uh, so this is an animated film uh, up for best animated film at the Golden Globes and the Oscars, which is kind of what made me aware of it. Um, and this movie like absolutely blew me away. It's produced by Angelina Jolie. Um, it's takes place in Afghanistan, um, being controlled by the Taliban, even though it's actually an English language film. So it's, I don't know if it's a foreign film. I think like Canada made it, but anyways, it's, it's a remarkable story. It's not a kid's film. It's animated, but it is drop dead serious. It is very brutal and hard to watch, but it is also really imaginative and creative with its animation and style. Um, I, completely got wrapped up in the story and the difficult complex situations that were happening with and around this girl's family, um, in Afghanistan. Um, and I even loved, you know, the culmination of kind of the side plot and the reveal at the end and what that all meant and how it tied back into the story. Uh, to me, this is one of the best animated movies I've ever seen. Nice. Wow. Um, I, didn't I hadn't even heard of the movie until just now. I didn't even know it was nominated for Golden Globe and Academy Award. Yeah, um, I saw this movie. Um, yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, oh, nice. I'm not fully with you. Um, I definitely didn't like it as much as you, but um, I definitely, I, I really liked it. It was a very powerful film, and I, I kind, I slightly disagree. Not that it's, it's not for kids, but I feel like kids could watch it. You know, especially like. Um, you know, not like young kids, but I feel like almost like yeah. fifth grade up almost like should watch this movie, you know, because it's a, it's a very like, you know, it, it drops you into another culture and it shows how, how different another place can be and how flawed other societies can be and how it can really hurt, how people get really hurt. And, um, so I, I, I did kind of feel like it was, um, you know, kids could watch it, even though it was was very intense at some parts. Um, yeah, actually, I kind of get what you're saying. It's not it's not like it's an R-rated film by any means. Um, it doesn't show you um, exactly everything that's happening and the brutality, but you do feel it and you get a sense of it, um, which is why I can kind of get away with that. Uh, but in the theater, so near the end of the film, like half the theater was just like bawling due to like the content and how sad it was. But there was like... <laughs> 
a family and a couple kids up in the corner of the small theater I was at. And those kids were like crying, screaming, just oh like an actual terror as what was happening. Like the family clearly had no idea what they were walking in to see. Yeah. <laughs> and they did not like expect anything that was happening. I felt really bad. They had no idea they were going into this like terrorist run, like <laughs> uh, uh, society. Yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very intense movie. It's it's very it's very real. Um, yeah, but I, I I recommend it for most people though. I I would definitely say that you should get give it a chance. Um, that movie is the breadwinner. It's actually available for streaming right now on Netflix. So uh, all of you guys could go and watch it right now. It's a it's a great movie. So um, Derek, what is your number seven? My number seven movie was Raw. That's my number seven, too, Derek. Oh, look at that. You guys both have Raw higher than me. I'm like the Raw advocate. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I've been talking about Raw all year. Yeah. You should put it higher up on your list. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. Well, cool. We have a little discussion about it. Uh, Raw was well, actually one of the earlier movies i think i saw this year but i really liked it for how creative it was let's see i considered a horror movie but it would appear that the filmmakers made no attempt at making it scary if that makes sense oh yeah like to me it it really felt like uh more of a kind of charming uh, coming of age story but the material just happens to be about like a girl that develops a craving for human flesh so it's like (laughs) you know that is horrifying but it 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 tends to have some sweet moments and and it was just really really well made and uh well acted yeah one of my favorite movies this year derek i like slightly disagree with you I, i i i agree that it's like it was very much a coming of age story. And that's what made it, that was one of the things that made it so special to me was that it like disguised itself as a horror film where it was really like a girl figuring out who she really is. And then of course people start eating each other and it's so disgusting. And like, it's a movie I don't want to recommend to a lot of people unless you like are into horror movies. If you're into horror movies, watch this. If you get grossed out easily, don't watch this. (laughs) It's very gruesome and grotesque, for sure. Surprisingly, this was one of the like few films. So last year when I saw La La Land, I remember you sa- said this too, Sean. Like you walked out of the theater with just like the biggest smile on the, your face. I kind mm-hmm. of felt that with Ra. Like the journey I was taken on and this like wild ride they put in front of me and just like kind of write how that movie ends and the cut. Um I walked out of that movie theater just like the biggest grin on my face at kind of the talent that these people put into this film. Wow. Yeah, that's a movie I didn't see. I think it's worth to mention that it's a it's French film as well. Definitely. So that movie is Raw. It's actually available for streaming right now on Netflix. So, um, again, Sean, you could watch that movie tonight when we're done recording this if you want to. Yeah, I think I could watch all the movies so far that I haven't seen just <laughs> streaming on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Hulu. So, you know, depending on your availability. Anyway, so my number seven was also Raw. So, Sean, what is your number seven? 
My number seven movie was Mudbound. Oh. Nice. Ooh. Um, yeah, uh, directed by D. Reese. Uh, Want to give a big shout out to Rachel Morrison, who shot the movie, uh, the director of photography. Um, <clears throat> coincidentally, she also did Black Panther. Uh, she just she just came out with Black Panther too, um, but yeah, she is the first woman to be nominated for best uh, cinematography wow. at the Academy Awards. Oh, and uh, yeah, the movie awesome. is gorgeous. Um, it's a beautifully shot film, like big, vast landscapes, and um, uh, the movie is a really interesting take on um, that era of American history uh, about kind of racism in the South um, at a time before uh, the civil rights movement, but well after kind of slavery. I feel like you don't get a ton of movies that are uh, take place in that era uh, about racism, but yeah, the movie kind of builds up to it slowly and uh you really get invested in the characters and the i think the movie had just great performances all around uh mary j blythe who is uh also nominated for this movie um <clears throat> yeah just a really moving movie uh very touching movie and um draws emotions out of uh very subtle moments, I think. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful movie. Yeah, I agree. This is a really powerful film, and yeah, like I agree. I wanted to say that yeah, that that time period was like during World War Two, I think, and it's like I remember being like pre taken with how characters came back from the war, and in the war, everyone's everyone's brothers, and then they come back, and all of a sudden they're like back in this like very racist area. And it was just like how shocking that must have been, and yeah, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing that on film before. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's been films, maybe, but yeah, it it was very interesting, great film. Yeah, totally agree. And and that climax too is just, um, I mean, it's brutal, but like an incredible cinematic ending to that film. Yeah. Okay, so that movie was Mudbound. It's available for streaming right now on Netflix. So, Brandon, what is your number six? My number six film is The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, it's, it was one of the most impressive movies I saw all year. Like, this movie is just style from beginning to end. Um, every shot and every moment the way the characters move and talk and interact with each other is just unlike anything else. Um, it's pretty hard to get on board with, and it's almost comical um, if you're looking at it one way. Uh, but the subject matter and the the atmosphere that this director creates is so unique. The thrill of it, it's super suspenseful. And like I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen. It was doing so many creative, special things throughout it. I loved this film. Yeah, I uh, I almost saw this movie as a horror film. Um, the tone of the film and the the way that it kind of slowly built the and revealed what was actually going on in the movie really felt like a horror film to me and. Um, was really creepy and and off-putting. Yeah, that was. I definitely wasn't expecting that, especially from coming from the lobster, which was 
I thought just an all out comedy and a hilarious movie. But yeah, there's people in the theater that were laughing. Um, I, I was like kind of on the fence. I wasn't sure how I should be reacting, but this, I feel like this is a dark comedy and it can go, can go either way. I was, I recommend not watching the trailer for this film. I went in completely dark and I was so happy I did like with what this boy reveals throughout the movie is just such a great twist. If you don't know what's coming, if you don't see the advertisements for it. Yeah, I agree. I didn't see the advertisements to this movie either. And it's definitely a really powerful film. I kind of feel like, um, I kind of feel like his movies are very, very intense. They're like kind of high concept and, like personally, I was much more taken by the lobster. Like it hit, the lobster hit me on every level. I I put that in my top ten last year or two years ago, pretty high. And this movie just it just didn't hit me like that. It kind of made me feel pretty numb and awkward afterward. But like I could see why other people would find it really powerful because it was completely unique and a very interesting film. Yeah, I kind of agree completely. Uh, I, I had the lobster on my ten top ten last year, and just I think his style um, lends itself more to the comedy that was in the lobster more so than I mean maybe I kind of weird and I I saw this movie as just a straight horror. I didn't even really think it was funny. I <clears throat> I just kind of saw it as a horror film. Yeah, I mean it it definitely was horrifying. Um, but yeah, I, people were laughing in the theater f- as well for me. So I mean, I, I I saw comedy in it. I just the comedy didn't land for me as well. But again, like dark comedy can go either way for people. Like I, I'm sure some people didn't find the lobster super hilarious. You know, I I just kind of feel like his style is so unique. And I mean, I'm just glad he's making movies. Um, yeah, me too. I'm really excited to see what else he can do. Uh, so that movie was The Killing of a Sacred Deer. It is available for rent on Amazon or Vudu, or you can find a Blu-ray and DVD. So, Derek, what is your number six? Number six was probably the... Th- uh, <laughs> I know I keep saying the funnest time I've had in the theater. This is just the overall funnest movie I think I saw this year. It was so fast-paced. Uh, I, Tanya. Nice. Uh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so much fun. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's like a name for this kind of movie where it's like the characters telling a story, you know. But um, it really that that format really lent it to this story specifically really well, and uh, oh, it was just so much fun. It's just a fascinating piece of American like uh, pop culture, and. It's something that I think people, like, having heard the story growing up, um, I've always been curious, like, I've always kind of had my own rendition of it in my head, and so uh, seeing these people, like, just act this crazy situation out was just so much fun. And again, Margot Robbie continues to be, like, the standout actress. I'm really excited for where things go. Oh, this is also the first movie from her studio. I think she created mm-hmm. too. So, uh, really excited to see where that goes, but, uh, yeah. Amazing movie. Yeah. So Derek, this was definitely my number 11. So I, I really wanted to go on there. I loved this movie. I just, you know, I love it when biopics could tell a story in such a, 
interesting way. It was so dramatic and yet so funny at the same time. Um, and it's such a weird story too. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely really liked this movie. I'm glad you had it so high on your list. And they just nailed the pace of this movie at every moment. And that kind of just made it why it's one of the funnest films to watch during the year. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So that was I, Tanya. Um, I think it's still in the movie theater right now, so it's not out on DVD yet, but you should be able to see it pretty quickly after the Oscars. So that goes to me. My number six is Lady Bird. Punt. Punt. Okay, punting. Um, so, Sean, what is your number six? My number six is Dunkirk. Punt. Punting Dunkirk. Picking <laughs> up the pace. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Wow, so now top five. Top five, here we oh. go. Okay, so Brandon, what is your number five? My number five is The Florida Project. Punt. I knew Ooh. it. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say it. I mean, it was either going to be... Damn. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of surprised it's a punt a little bit, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um. So, Derek, what is your number five? My number five is Lady Bird. Uh, yeah, me too. All right. Oh, oh, okay. Yay. There we go. So, uh, yeah, it was... I saw Lady Bird... Uh, it was later on in the year, but again, it's, I love coming of age stories. I don't know what it is about those movies that just always fascinate me. Um, but this movie was the first film by Greta Gerwig and it was just so honest and hilarious. And, um, she had such a, such a unique perspective to tell and seeing that, I mean, this kind of story we've seen so many times, but, um, I think she just kind of nailed everything. The pacing, um, all the actors were so good in it. And there's even like, like her mom in the movie. I haven't seen that lady in a movie or TV show in like 20 years. I it feel like, like Roseanne and yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's so freaking good in this movie. And, um, uh, she had, you know, just that dynamic between those two it was, uh, is it, it like a dynamic I've kind of heard of and kind of seen in people I know, and to see it played out on screen was just really fantastic and uh, and kind of bold to be so honest about it and, um, yeah, and it just looked great, especially for a first film. It was just so confident. In every everything it did is fantastic. Yeah, it's um. <clears throat> It's just such a lovely movie. Um, it's a, a great script, uh, such and um, had such great dynamic characters and and the relationship between uh, Laurie Madcalf and uh, Saoirse Ronan was um, so complex and interesting. And you the it. I mean, essentially, it was a coming-of-age story, and uh, you don't really see that kind of movie about just a, a mother and her daughter um, very often, and it's really heartwarming and kind of sad in moments, but yeah, great all-around movie. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Uh, I I had just one slot underneath you, and like I said, this was a great year for family dramas for me, like... 
between this, the big sick, uh, the Meyerwitz stories, which did not make my list. Um, I thought all of those were really powerful family dramas, but this one, this one just did everything right. You know, it was just a year in her life, her senior year of high school, and there were so many things that happened in it, and and everything mattered. But they kind of just the paced this movie so well, it just kind of all flew by. Just like I feel like just how a year like that would fly by. Like just. It was so honest and true, and the characters were so likable, and their relationships were so dynamic. And I, I feel like there's a lot of a lot to take out of this movie, and um, it was so fun and funny too, and so sad at parts. And I mean, that was like the whole thing of the movie was that like the mom and the daughter would be screaming at each other, and then they could turn it off and be laughing like a second later, and they go back to screaming, and then drop in and walk away. You know, like they their relationship was so strong and so interesting. And, um, yeah, I love this film. It's a great film. Yeah. I think Greta Gerwig, this being her first film, uh, the outstanding part is those character interactions. And like you're saying, Nick, how complex they are when they're riffing back and forth in their arguments and in their love with each other, all wrapped up in the same almost sentence. Um, Greta Gerwig just directed these actors so perfectly and it's really remarkable to see with Derek, with you picking this movie, uh, so high, um, this is definitely like a thing of yours. We're noticing more. I remember last year you had a bunch of these movies on your list. Yeah. Edge of 17. <laughs> I was just going to say number three on my list. We could cut Sing this, Street. but you know, you did put <laughs> edge of 17 in your top three. Are you insinuating... Yeah. Edge of Seventeen is better than Lady Bird. <laughs> well, or there's just better movies out this year. Okay. Yeah, we I don't think it's fair to like directly <laughs> compare a list from the year before, just because you know yeah, things change right. and years can be different. And stuff. Yeah. But yeah, For I mean sure. that was partly a reason why I thought Derek would like Raw so much was just because <laughs> it's like a coming of age film for um, <laughs> for cannibals. But <laughs> so that that movie was Lady Bird. Uh, it's still in some theaters, but it should be on DVD very soon. Um, so my number five is Phantom Thread. Ooh, Hunt. Okay, I knew that was going to happen. Cool. Cool. <laughs> um, so Sean, was your number five? Oh, my number five was also Lady Bird. Oh, that's right. We already went over that. Yeah. Okay, so um, Brandon, what is your number four? All right, my number four is The Square. Um, the square is nominated for best foreign film, uh, also foreign film for the golden globes and the Oscars. It's a Swedish comedy drama. Um, it is a pretty funny film. Uh, that's also like meticulously well-crafted in every single shot and moment. Um, it's like a feast for the eyes while you're laughing at these awkward interesting situations um just like the balance they're able to strike in that specific style almost made me want to put this film at number one that is just like one of the most difficult things to do and just what so few movies even try to accomplish um the movie um it's a swedish film that takes place in stockholm it's about a small modern art museum and one of the art curators uh for the museum 
and it kind of like blends really smart comedy about kind of like a lot of the absurdity going on in modern art and someone who's kind of right in the middle of all of that that's happening. And so it's a very interesting perspective. It, it probably is just a slightly lower, just with um, overall storyline aspects um, that doesn't come to like as heavy of a punch as some other films that are a little bit higher. Um, but this is one of the be- best foreign films of the year. Um, one of the best movies of the year. It's incredible. Cool. Yeah, I saw that movie too, Brandon. It didn't make my list, but um, I'm glad that you have it on there. Um, I thought this, yeah. I'm with you. I thought the style was amazing. The style was like, and the humor really landed for me too. That movie was The Square. It's available now for streaming on Google Play and other platforms. Um, it's also on DVD and Blu-ray. So, Derek, what is your number four? My number four movie was Dunkirk. All right. Again, Christopher Nolan continues to impress. I was actually, uh, when he announced, or, you know, when it came up that he was making a world war ii movie um i wasn't super excited just because as much as i love him like i kind of i i love him for his big ambitious uh you know brainy ideas and going for the world war ii war drama like just doesn't really fit that mold very well but uh Leave it to him to create a somewhat brainy <laughs> uh, World War II epic. I consider it brainy just because it's uh, even just in the editing and the way the story is told, it's very complex and yet very like visually pleasing and thematically necessary. Well, maybe not necessary, but definitely the right choice for how he decided to do it. Having the three timelines kind of all. Uh, intercede and uh, you know climax at the same moment somehow and uh, it's just such an impressive film and I think it's for me I it's one of my favorite of his right I put it in his top three best movies I think he's still getting better and of course he's still creating movies that you have to see in theaters uh, I had this at number six. Um, yeah, I, I would almost say that this is uh, Christopher Nolan's most Christopher Nolan movie. In, <laughs> yeah. In, in how it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. How it does, like how it's everything from how it how it's edited together, like the nonlinear um, aspect of it, but to the cinematography and the especially the score. It's like the score is so incredible in this movie. How it like builds. And, and climaxes and um, and then like slowly fades away. It, it's almost like a nonstop um, kind of ambient um, kind of, uh, thematic score rather than kind of melodic or or anything like that. But um, yeah, and also the cinematography, the especially the aerial cinematography um, was just so incredible. Um, uh, it's also nominated for cinematography Hoyt von uh, Hoytma, uh, who also did um, Interstellar with Christopher Nolan. They're kind of killing it right now, I I think together. Um, and yeah, it's uh, 
a, just a brilliantly put together movie in it. I think it really shows that Christopher Nolan in his his Christopher Nolanness actually really has a great handle on what he's doing. I think a lot of people kind of poke fun at him for for the things that he does, but yeah, it's it it really shows that he knows what he do what he's doing. Um, this film was number ten on my list, and I totally agree with you. Like on the score, I think that's one of the ways he tries to like tie together all three storylines as they're cutting in and out is just keeping that, you know, consistent, almost drone, um, building throughout. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's talked about, but we also have to get credit for how unique of a choice it is to have like almost a dialogueless film all the way through. Like this, this movie is like nearly all visual condensed down to an hour and 45 minute, like digestible package for such an epic movie. It's like a really unique spin on a World War II film like this. I, I recently, um, the Cinerama had uh, all the Best Picture nominees uh, playing, and so I went and saw it for that. And That's it was, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is one of those movies that you really should see it in a theater on the biggest screen possible. And if you didn't, you know, if you missed in the theater, you know, get on Blu-ray and go to the biggest TV that you possibly can and, you know, watch it there, you know, as close to the TV as possible. Because <laughs> it's it's such an engrossing experience. The movie is like a ride. You know, those airplane scenes are so intense. It feels like you're flying. And, um, you know, it's like, it's a crime if you watch this film, like, on an airplane or something. Like, Remember I was texting you guys those pictures from my last flight? There's like three, I saw three people in my peripherals casually watching Dunkirk, literally. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I know, a cu- like, a couple people told me that they saw it in on the airplane and uh, like i i thought it was a joke like do you get anything out of that movie if you watch on the airplane i mean it still is like yeah i mean it's still a good movie but it's like you know there's like no dialogue there's no characters really it's just like it's just about being in that moment and all so much of that is just being engrossed in it so if you're like distracted or if it's like on a small screen it's like you're not gonna be engrossed and you're not gonna get the full experience but yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad you guys had it so high on your list. I definitely is on my honorable mentions. But um, cool. So again, again, that was Dunkirk. If you go this weekend, you should be able to see it in some theaters, which we recommend. Um, otherwise, it's on Blu-ray or on the airplane, apparently. But don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my number four was the Florida Project. Awesome. Okay. So the Florida project, I think we talked about it a few months ago when it came out, but, um, you know, for me, I, I've, I've worked in social work for, for, you know, five or six years now. And I, I I didn't enjoy this movie very much when watching it because it kind of felt like work. You know, the movie was so realistic. The kids are just kind of running around like the the world is their playground their their parents don't really take care of them they're very behavioral they um do whatever they want the mom doesn't know how to take care of her kid she makes a lot of her mistakes herself but the movie is so realistic and so honest it's it's extremely powerful 
Um, you know, uh, Willem Dafoe delivers a really incredible, powerful performance, and uh, the ending is, uh, you know, Brian, I think we talked about it, like, I had some serious issues with the last 10 seconds of the film, but leading up into those 10 seconds was one of the best endings all year. And so, I've kind of, in my mind, I've kind of just pretended that those last 10 seconds didn't happen, it was a dream, and, uh, you know, just... I just don't really pretend that happened. And the rest of it is just, man, that was a powerful film. Yeah. This, this movie is, is remarkable and, uh, incredibly like unique and rare, um, slice of life that you don't get to see on screen very often. Um, it provides, you know, some like despicable characters, some completely irresponsible characters and that you're just watching and kind of horrified by, but it, paints a picture of kind of like understanding and it gives you an understanding for why these people are who they are. And, um, with that, you kind of come out, uh, learning a lot and becoming more compassionate. Um, you know, it's, it's no excuse. Everything that ends up happening is extremely necessary. Um, but it's also good to learn why things get that way. Yeah, and I mean, also, like, to what you're saying, like, they're not even really explicit on why things are that way. Like, I feel like the movie, you know, the, you know, the mom oh, is yeah. desperate. It's not heavy-handed. Yeah, the, mo- the mom is desperate, you know? It's like, she does a lot of things because she's desperate. But it doesn't ever tell you why she's desperate or what made her the way she is until, like, I mean, there's a point in the movie where there's, like, a mirror where the kid is the kid is being behavioral and the mom is being behavioral. And it, you know, to me it implies that, you know, it's cyclical. Like she wasn't raised, she wasn't raised properly. Yeah. And so she doesn't know how to raise her kid properly. She was the daughter 19 years ago. Yeah. And you know, again, like it's a really powerful film and it's, you know, I had a coworker who saw this movie, you know, months after I did. And he texted me, this movie was a lot funnier than I ever thought it would be. And that kind of, that's kind of what triggered me to be like, okay, I need to get this social worker stick out of my butt and like, think about this. Like it probably was really funny. And I, I kind of want to go back and, and rewatch it. And again, I also think that anyone who's in social work or working with kids or wanting to, you know, be in that field, it should be like a mandatory watch because there's a lot to learn from this film. Okay, so that movie was The Florida Project. It's available on Blu-ray and DVD and can be found streaming on Amazon or Google Play. So, uh, Sean, what was your number four? My number four was uh, my funnest theater experience this year. Uh, I just had an absolute blast in every second of this movie. Uh, that's Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. Punt. Punt. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> no. I was a little worried that no one else would have it. So unexpected. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now we are into our top three. So, Brandon, uh, kick us off. What was your number three? Oh, man. Hold on. I'm just recovering from that. <laughs> I'm just being so excited that sh- someone was going to bring it up and then like finding out that it's even higher on two other people's lists. <laughs> oh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so I'm on three. <clears throat> yep. All right, so my number three film is Call Me By Your Name. Sorry, Brandon. Oh, 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's not anywhere on anyone's list. Wow. <laughs> and you made me very much aware of this movie, Nick. Yes. I think I'm the only other person that saw this movie out of the four of us. Yeah, I didn't see it. And it's oh damn. It's definitely like on okay. my like honorable mentions. It's just you know it was a tight year. It was a tight year. I just yeah couldn't get it's on tight there. Year. Tight year. Um. The this this movie is nearly flawless. So, like Derek, you mentioned actually sold out movies before. Um, uh, I forget what what film was that? It for it. Yeah, for it. Um, Call me by your name. Like, and it, was, it was actually exciting how many times I got turned down at the movie theater to go see this. Um, I probably went uh, to the cinema like three times before I finally got in. Uh, especially with movie pass, you have to buy it the day of, so you can't really pre-order it. Anyways, um, it was cool seeing just like how crazy people in New York went and lining up to see this movie. It was sold out just for weeks once it was released in just a few theaters throughout the city. Um, Call Me By Your Name is nearly a perfect film for me. Um, It is just like completely timeless. I can imagine watching this movie in like 40 years from now and it just feeling like still completely fresh and new, like it could have been made yesterday. I loved everything about it. I loved how undramatic this film was. Um, It's not heavy-handed at any moment, and it just tells one small connection over the course of several weeks that these characters have and a little bit of a heartbreak. There's no, like, bawling. There's no shouting or screaming or fighting. Um, It's a very simple and quiet movie, and it's all the more powerful because of that and more relatable. Um, I think it tells like a more human story than a lot of other, you know, romances in this drama genre attempt to do. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it certainly was that it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, yeah. I mean, it really just flowed really well. And Brendan, I had a similar experience too, because it was, it, I, it almost sold out for me and I mean, it didn't come to Seattle for weeks and weeks. And I went to the theater very early and I still had to sit in the very front row. And, um, right. <laughs> this tiny little film, like how the fuck is it? selling? yeah. Out? Like, well, I it's think kind of it, exciting. you know, for me, it was like built up for a long time because I think it was it first premiered at Sundance or some, some festival. And it, it pretty consistently got like five stars. Like everyone saw this movie and just said, Oh yeah, uh, that was one of the best movies of the year, hands down easily. And, um, you know, it's one of those just, it's just such a unique, beautiful love story. And, you know, I find myself defending it sometimes because, you know, it is the love story between an adult, an adult and a teenager. But, I think it was told in such an artistic and lovely and, frankly, like kind of, I don't want to say innocent, but like, like, uh, meaningful way where like, yeah, there was an age gap, but lessons were learned and no one was exploited. You know, it was, the feelings were very real and worthwhile all the way through. And, um, because of that, it was just, it was just a beautiful, beautiful film. That's uh, actually that's extremely well put, for sure. Um, yeah, you guys should really see it um, when you get a chance. Yeah, definitely uh, one of the few movies that I'm going. You know, that is 
is on the for sure going to see list. Yeah, probably the movie I've most I've heard most recommended just in general on various podcasts and uh, critics and stuff. So, so that movie was Call Me by Your Name. It's not actually available anywhere right now unless you find a random theater that's playing it. Um, but it should be available on Blu-ray and DVD and streaming very soon. So, Derek, what was your number three? My number three was Baby Driver. Punt. Ooh. All right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Nick. <laughs> so uh, my number three was Blade Runner 2049. Punt. Punt. Okay. Cool. Damn. Wow. Wow. Derek, no punt? I still haven't seen it. This is probably the movie I'm most excited to watch. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you rewatch Blade Runner like ten months ago? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I didn't okay. make it to, to get the prepared for it. Derek, yeah, Derek, I have Blade Runner on on Blu-ray. We should like go over to Andrew's house and watch it. <laughs> That'd be a lot the of fun. I'd love to do. The reason I say Andrew's house because he has the biggest TV of anyone I know. So. I I join you for sure. Oh, okay. Damn, we know Nick's top two now. Oh. Oh shit. Yeah, but which <laughs> order? <laughs> Wait no, wait, no, you don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you do. Okay. Which one? Wow, I forgot, I forgot about that punt. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so, wait. So Sean's, so Sean's turn. Number three. Sean, you're, you're number so three. So my number three is Get Out. All right. Cool. I thought someone... Nice. Oh, no, I punted it for someone. Uh, yeah. Who else, who I, else had that? That was my number nine, I think. Okay. Yeah, my number nine. Uh, yeah, Get Out was... Um, the movie that lasted the entire year. Uh, everyone is still talking about it. It came out in February last year, and it was just constantly talked about throughout the entire year. It's a fascinating movie. It, uh, it makes you feel so many things all at the same time. It makes you feel extremely uncomfortable um, while being slightly funny while being kind of terrifying in moments and while having a lot to say, having a, uh, you know, a lot to learn from the movie. Jordan Peele's directorial debut, and it was a hell of a debut. Um, and he also wrote it. He wrote and directed it. Um, it had a really great cast. Yeah, it was just a, a fascinating movie to watch. Uh, while being really entertaining and um, and a great genre movie too, um, really show it really showed that Jordan Peele has a a great understanding of the horror genre. Uh, I really really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, Sean, um, I'm glad you had it so high. That's really cool. Um, I I think this is hands down the most culturally relevant movie of the year. Like, the way people have talked about it, the way it has stuck around, how much money it made, like, the, there's a reason why it resonates so much with people, because it had a lot to say, it was easy to watch, it evoked a lot of emotions, and um, it also had a very important subject matter. And, you know, I like to bring, you know, I, I so I, I rewatched it, um... You know, because you know, I I, I I bought it on Blu-ray and I just like you know I, I rewatched it recently and um, I I liked it more the second time because I was able to pick up on a bunch of small little subtle details that were in there um, 
the, the subtle details definitely came out more. You know, there were these scenes that I didn't really realize how creepy they were until um, until I saw it a second time. Or there were a few moments of foreshadowing that happened early in the movie that just, like, put shivers down my spine. Um, also, like, the flaws that I had in the movie, I kind of, like, brushed off a lot easier. You know, like... Uh, it very much was a genre movie. It very much was a horror movie. So a lot of my flaws, I could easily just be like, yeah, but that was kind of a trope of horror movies. Like, it's okay that that happened because this is totally, it's totally just trying to be like a horror comedy, mostly horror, but you know, it's very much what it is. And I also just want to bring up the, the visuals in the movie. There were some scenes that I think will go down in history as like memorable, important horror film scenes, such as like the sunken place is like, is huge. Like that was so scary and such a unique idea and, like, it's also, it's a unique idea, but it's also an idea that's like, oh, wow, how come no one has done this before? This is amazing. Um, yeah, Get Out, Get Out's a very powerful, interesting film. This movie's definitely on my honorable mentions list. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's easily the most culturally relevant movie this year. And it has stuck around so much it's crazy and now like you know all the conversations are being reignited again and jordan peele got the best picture best director and do you get did he get best screenplay original screen yeah he got yeah he was nominated for best original screenplay i mean that's huge <laughs> for your first the last time I think I, I want to say that uh, the Sixth Sense did that too with M Night Shyamalan's first big movie. He got the picture, screenplay, and uh, director nominations. It's just a, it's really fascinating and really really exciting to see that. It's the trifecta, um, especially from someone that everybody adores already, and he tries this new thing and like completely just nails it. Yeah, it's really cool. So. Yeah, that movie was Get Out. Um, you can stream it on HBO if you have HBO, or you can uh, get it on Blu-ray DVD. So, top two. Brandon, what is your number two? Number two is Phantom Thread, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Wow. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a remarkable film, as we know. Um, it's starring Daniel Day-Lewis in his infamous last film before his retirement. Um, everything about this film is firing on all cylinders. It's beautifully shot. Um, the, some of the best acting of the year. Um, it's very complex. Like People's like emotions are just like boiling out from under their skin as this movie develops. Um, this is also like a dark comedy. Um, I mean, this, this does lean more comedy than some of the last ones we've mentioned, like sacred deer, but like, this is a funny movie. Yeah. I even took like one of my friends, Rick, who doesn't see that many movies. And like, I was kind of worried about taking him to this, like Paul Thomas Anderson, kind of like really highbrow, um, film. And he like loved it. Like it was a blast to watch even on, on those different levels. Um, and the climax of this film just gets batshit crazy and it just tops off like the most beautiful film with just like 
the most interesting, crazy ending that I just loved that it went there and that it pulled it off and did that. And to me, like if it wasn't for those last like 20 minutes and where this movie goes, um, you know, I couldn't put it this high just on cinematography and acting alone, but that's the script is just so daring and bold to go in, in that direction. Um, so it's the number two film of the year for me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Brandon. I had it pretty high on my list. I had it at number five and, um, yeah, it was either going to be four or five. I couldn't decide which spot. And I have a hard time like talking about this movie a little bit because I don't want to overhype it because it is like just a movie about like a relationship and making dresses, you know, uh, it's, you know, everything about it is perfect though. Like the cinematography, the acting is so top notch. The soundtrack is like so beautiful, but like, Oh man. Yeah. Johnny Greenwood soundtrack is incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, um, I don't, yeah. So I, I don't want to hype it up too much because it's so simple and yet it gets so complicated kind of suddenly. And the, the ending does go on this like intense, like twisted direction. And I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's kind of more twisted in the context of the story because if you were like to compare it to raw or something, it wouldn't be like as twisted, but like it is like so intense while it's happening. Like, I don't know. No one makes movies like Paul Thomas Anderson. And like, I'm kind of in the boat of like almost all of his movies are like five star movies. And you know, this movie doesn't disappoint. Um, it just like it's not there will be blood where it's like showy and powerful and screaming and fire and you know you know oil flying out of the ground. It's it's making dresses, eating breakfast, being in a relationship, and you know then eating some mushrooms. You know like that's that's the movie. So, um, uh, but it's 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 amazing though. It's it's amazing and perfect almost in every way. I, I had the movie at uh, number eight. <clears throat> um, the thing that really stood out for me is the ending was my dr- my jaw was dropped for about the you know ten minutes of that ending, um, and like the dynamics of the movie between the characters. There's so much um, happening in such quiet scenes. And a shout out to his uh, Paul Thomas Anderson shot the movie too, um, which I can't imagine how much work uh, just goes into being on set, directing and um, lighting and setting a frame. Um, you know, doing all that. I can't imagine how how difficult that would be. Definitely. Well, yeah, that was Phantom Thread. It is still in the theaters right now. So check it out. So that was Brains number two. Derek, what was your number two? So my number two has actually moved all over my list. It's being not on it, back on it, moved all over. Uh, just because it's pretty polarizing, I think, when you when you watch this. So, uh, three, billboard, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, it's my nice. number two movie yes. this Hunt. year. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> okay take the wow. wind out of your there, sail <laughs> there we go there we go all right wow. i knew sean would have right there <laughs> all right. okay so my number two was mother yeah whoa 
Whoa. Yeah. Nice, Nick. Yeah. So, yeah, I put Mother pretty high, but, I mean, honestly, Mother was one of the craziest film experiences I've had all year. Um, I love that so many people hated it. Um, <laughs> but, like, people, most people that I like liked it. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Like, like, I left the theater, like, shaking. The first time I saw it, I was like, shaking i had no idea what i just watched and like i turned uh i turned to shannon and she said well uh that was obviously about religion and i said oh uh i thought it was about you know i thought it was about darren aronofsky's marriage falling apart you know we had just vastly different takes on the movie and and then i went home and read about it and other people had totally different opinions. Like it was one of those movies where everyone had like their completely their own take on what happened in it. And everything about the movie is like surprising and like, it's so unique and, uh, unsettling. You know, I left the theater. Like I said, I left the theater like shaking, like I was trembling. I just didn't trust anyone in the world. Drove home. There was traffic. I was like worried that just like all the cars were just going to blow up or something. Like I just was like just terrified that something was going to happen on the drive home. And it was a Friday night. Got to the theater at like seven. I didn't want to talk to anyone that night. Just I didn't want to do anything. Went to bed early. You know, just it was uh it was such a like it was just, it was such a physical experience. So then uh, I saw the movie like again like two weeks later, um, again in the theater because I was so interested in it. Me and Shannon we just we both went back to the theater to see it. Um, this is before Movie Pass, so like I didn't I paid for it both times, and um, you know it it was much funnier the second time. Like, I had, I had such a different reaction where I was, like, I was laughing the whole time. And I was, like, looking around the theater, like, seeing what other people's reactions were. And it's, like, it's uh, it's just such an interesting movie. And um, the performances are, like, really stark and engaging. And, um, like, it just, the first half is totally different than the second half. But the second half, like, takes you for a ride. And, um... Yeah, I just think it's like one of the most brilliant, uh, unique pieces of film films that have come out in a long time. So, um, yeah, I got real high on my list, real high. Number two, this film was one of my honorable mentions for sure. One thing I wanted to kind of point out is you know everyone talks about like um, this the unique cinematography with you know the three angles he chose over the shoulder POV close extreme close up of her face. Yeah, but like. I think I think it doesn't get enough credit for no matter what you think about the last 30 minutes of the film like Darren Aronofsky is a complete genius for the way he was able to construct and build that just onslaught of insanity mm-hmm. <laughs> together um no like so few people can execute that with that per level of perfection and just staging that and stringing all those events into that swirl of a mess was remarkable. And yeah, I think that doesn't get said enough yeah. for the last part of the movie. That's the most controversial part. Yeah. It's like, uh, um, the ending of the movie, it just like, I feel like every five minutes you're like, this cannot get any worse. And then like, there's still another 20 minutes left in the movie. And it, each five minutes is just worse than the last one. And it just, 
Yeah, it, it gets crazy. I, I had it at number 10, and it's it's definitely the movie of the year that just tickled my id so, so good. And um, <clears throat> it, like, there's something about it on a, a emotional, subconscious level that um, that just leaves you in a almost paralyzed state at the end of the movie. Um, I, I had a very similar experience to Nick um, when I walked out of the movie. Just like, like what is everybody doing? It, yeah, it just it, it, it paralyzes you. Um, and yeah, it just I, I love um, hearing all the different takes that people have on the movie. Yeah, it was it was a masterfully put together film. Real quick, this is kind of off topic, but someone on Spotify made a playlist that's called David Byrne Presents Mother. And if you just like go through the track list and like read it, it's like the entire plot of Mother. Are these real David Byrne songs? Yeah, they're all real David Byrne talking heads. Oh, shit. Yes, please. Okay, so here we go. Okay. A long time ago, home, who is it? You don't know me. The lady don't mind. You'll be taken care of. Somebody. The great intoxication. Psycho killer. Strange overtones. Everybody's coming to my house. Please don't. Broken things. Why don't you love me? The moment of conception. Dinner for two. This must be the place. Everybody's in love with you. The overlord. Life during wartime. Help me, somebody. Come with us. In the upper room, no compassion. You be Jesus. Now I'm your mom. God's child. His wife refused. She only sleeps. Daddy go down. Something ain't right. The accident. Poor boy. Strange ritual. She's mad. Burning the house down. Tiny apocalypse. The one who broke your heart, and she was, why? Holy shit. <laughs> Is that the IMDb synopsis? Or <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so that's Mother. Um, it's available streaming online for rent, or you can get it on Blu-ray and DVD. Sean, what is your number two? My number two is Blade Runner 2049. All right. Nice. Um, yeah, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, big shout out to Roger Deakins, um, the director of photography. Uh, this was such a beautiful movie. Uh, I feel like he was just able to really go and do like whatever he wanted for this movie. And it really paid off visually. Um, I feel like everything was firing on all cylinders. Um, everyone had such a coherent idea of what this movie was supposed to be from the score to the cinematography, to even the acting Ryan Gosling and, uh, Robin Wright. And, um, the, the set designs were so, so interesting and i feel like every scene of this movie and every um every moment of the film 
was something, there was something that I had never seen or experienced before in a movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a movie that, that deserved a lot better. And uh, it's sad that we're, it's not going to kind of launch a, a new era of filmmaking um, as far as these big, big budget uh, sci-fi movies. But Right. I mean, it's interesting to think about, like, has sci-fi films this heady and, you know, this kind of sophisticated ever really done that well? No, it's not. It's not not necessarily unexpected, but it, it is sad because, I mean, right. I mean, I'm not surprised it didn't do do that great just because, like, I mean, like, I loved it. It was my number three movie. Like, I mean, I'm totally with you. But, like, it did, like, you know, the first one wasn't a commercial success. And that being said, I'm super glad it was made because it's so gorgeous. Like, and so perfect. Like, every shot is, like, a masterpiece. Um, The story is, like, is engaging and there's, like, different layers to it. And it takes you on twists and turns. And, I mean, it's, it's it's a great, great film. And I think, like, it's going to go down just like the original Blade Runner as not commercial success, but a critical success. And people will be talking about for years. At least I hope they will. And I think we're in the midst of seeing one of the greatest directors of all time come into fruition. So, guys, what did, around the table real quick, what did everyone put this film as there this year for Blade Runner 2049? It's honorable mention for me. Uh, It's my number three. Number two. For me. I, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it. Oh, Derek didn't see it. Okay, so exactly a year ago in October, uh, Dennis Villeneuve came out with Arrival, which is in my top ten. It was my number one. Yeah, it was my number one as well. <laughs> yeah, it was like my number three, I think. Okay, exactly one year before that, in October 2015, uh, Dennis Villeneuve came out with Sicario, which was in my top three. Yeah, it was my number three, I think. I think it was in my honorable mentions. Uh, it was number seven for me. That is... That is incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no other director has even come close to doing this. That's just the last three years. <laughs> even before that, his other movies were good too. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. He took a one year gap and then came out with Prisoner. Yeah, yeah. like Prisoner. Ah, oh. yeah. Yeah, it's freaking me out. Like, what's gonna this? This is so yeah. fun to watch. Well, his next movie's Dune, so you know yeah. we'll see. Fuck, my god. Well, that was Blade Runner 2049. It's available on streaming and DVD and Blu-ray. Okay, we're going to do our number ones now. So, um, Brian, do you want to start us off? What was your number one film of the year? Okay, so my number one film is Loveless. Wow. This is a Russian drama film. It was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Oscars this year. And it was also directed by... The this guy Andre Z, it's hard to pronounce his last name, but he directed uh, Leviathan back in 2014, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, and this is his follow up that he did since then. So, this is like a heavy Russian tragedy film. Um, it, like, it does not get much more just bleak than this drama. It's a rough, depressing film to watch. Um, as you move through the story, but it is so perfectly executed and it was just like somehow a joy to see this guy 
craft this dark relationship and the mystery uh, with their son. Uh, from the from the opening shot of the movie, like you, it's not flashy like some of this other cinematography we've been mentioning um, with Blade Runner and Paul Thomas Anderson. But like from the opening shot, you just like know you're in incredible hands and things like scenes and shots are not how they should normally feel. And there's just always this unique take on whatever scene is unfolding in front of you with the angle that they give you. And um, it's hard to talk about this film because I wouldn't recommend this to anybody because it is so dark, but it is an incredibly well-made, perfect film. So it's your number one (laughs) film, but you wouldn't recommend it to anyone? I would not recommend it to my worst enemy. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so like... That's rough. Okay, so this movie has been... This movie has been on my watch list for months. Like, I've heard rumblings about this movie, like, so long ago, and I, um, it hasn't come out here yet. Like, it's not in, it's not, it's not in Seattle yet. Um, I actually, like, illegally downloaded it, but couldn't find subtitles, Mm. so I still couldn't watch it. Um, I've heard that it's, like, by far, like, the worst date movie of all time. Like... And, like, the only other movie I could think of that's gone, like, that kind of reaction is, like, Blue Valentine, which I hear is, like, also, like, you know, it's about relationships, and it's, like, you know, uh, but, but, so, yeah, but, like, you, you, I mean, you recommend me to watch Loveless, though, right? Like, Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm using a figure of speech, like, I wouldn't recommend this to people who are just like, I want to go watch a movie, but, like, this, if you want to see a, a remarkable film that will, like, ruin your night and weekend, like, um, watch Loveless. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Cool. So, um, yeah. So, Derek, what was your number one film of the year? I think you guys probably know where this is going. Um, Don't judge me. I don't think this is the best movie of the year. But it is, hands down, with no comparison, my favorite movie of the year. Because the experience I had while watching it is something I will never have again in my entire life. Would you say it was the funnest time you had in theater this year? It was the most excited I've probably ever been in a theater since like nice. maybe Jurassic Park. Like <laughs> I know that's that's a pretty big words, but for me like this this movie confirmed something that like uh, internet like fans and uh movie buffs have been like wanting for over 10 years, which was a sequel to a movie we never thought we'd get. And uh, so my number one movie this year was Split. Uh, wow. I nice. think... I knew that was coming. You called it like nine <laughs> yeah. or ten months ago. I mean, it's still <laughs> it's still so fresh and exciting in my head. Like, uh, just being... How important M. Night Shyamalan has been to my relationship with film and like his career has almost been like its own story like <laughs> with his his like sudden burst of success and then him uh you know kind of rising to becoming such a a name that uh, everybody knows M Night Shyamalan everyone knows what he's known for and everyone knows the kind of movies he makes and for a while he was generally really well respected and then his career took a massive downfall and uh, 
for years he was just getting critically panned and only recently he started to kind of work his way back in and uh, he's starting to make excellent films again reinvent himself yeah for sure and so seeing split which uh i think is kind of like the second movie in his comeback tour was really exciting and it's such a it was just another well-crafted thriller um i i don't know by itself i don't think it stands as his best movie but um the twist that nobody could ever pull off I'm still kind of in disbelief when I think about how somehow this never leaked. And and I didn't even see it opening night, and somehow it still never got spoiled for me. But just uh, getting to experience like that uh, connection uh, in such a creative way, too. Like, not, not using it as a selling point for the film at all. In fact, it's like an afterthought. And I don't know, it's just so exciting to me and it's so creative and so surprising. And yeah, I mean, it's the kind of twist I don't think anyone could ever do again. It's so it's a, once, once you've done it, I don't think it can ever be done again. So that was my number one movie this year. A once in cinema twist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was really one of those like power of cinema, like power of the medium type things where they... They did something that like transcended something anyone had ever done before. Um, you didn't even know what you were watching. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, that was Split. The movie's available on streaming and DVD and Blu-ray. So my number one was Baby Driver. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So, I mean, I just thought Baby Driver, I mean, it was just exciting. You know, like everything about it, the buildup to it, um, knowing that Edgar Wright was doing a complete passion project, you know, that was just about cars. I mean, you didn't really know too much about it going into it, but it was like, you know, it, it turned out to be this fairy tale of of love and violence and driving and heists and, you know, it, it mixed genres. It had incredible editing and the soundtrack was amazing. And like, just, just everything about it was just like on point and fun and exciting. And, um, you know, I think it's incredibly rewatchable. I think the opening scenes is one of the best opening scenes of all time. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just an incredible, incredible, fun film. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just a ride that needs to be seen. I I tried to anticipate what you were gonna put as your number one like earlier today, and this movie was so far from my guess. But it's really cool to hear <laughs> um, you put it this high. Yeah, I I, I had it at four. Uh, Derek, did you have it higher than four? It was my number three. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just, it's such a fun movie. And um, it's so exciting to see Edgar Wright do this kind of movie. And it is, it's a really unique movie. I, don't, I can't think of anything else that's, that's put together like this movie is. Um, and it's, it's simple, but, um, but the, the uh, kind of, um, complexity of the movie comes in in the style and um, the pacing, um, and yeah, it's just it's a blast all the way through. 
you know, it's also calculated, but it's like whimsical. It's uh, it's a fairy tale instead of it being like a film noir. You know, it's it's got this love story that's simple, but it works. Like you care about the characters. Um, you know, our main character doesn't talk a lot, but he listens to music, and you learn so much about him just because of, of how much he loves what he loves. He loves music, and they, he makes his own music, and like those things really stand out and kind of bring the film to another level. Just, I don't know. It's one of those things where like, yeah, it's simple, but everything about it is like perfect and fun. And it's just, it's just a great time at the movies, like in pretty much every way. I think Edgar Wright is like, he's like that kid in school that gets perfect grades on like every little assignment. And like coming up to the, the release of this movie, like I, there was never ever a doubt in my mind that this wouldn't be in my top three, even before I saw it. It was like just based off of Edgar Wright's record, he makes perfect films, but his craftsmanship and like the amount of care and attention to detail that he has in his movies are just, there's very few people that I can even compare it to him. Like and this movie is just another example of like, he's just doing things that nobody does. Like while take, while, you know, doing one of the most popular genres that there is, you know, heist movies. It's like, it's very, I don't know. It's just so, it's kind of like, uh, I, the movie I compare it most to when I'm like trying to sell it to people is, uh, strangely Mad Max Fury Road, which like, to me, it just, it feels like just everything. It's not the most complex movie, but everything they do is so perfect and so creative. And, um, um, and just such a creative perspective with the editing and the music. I've never seen, I mean, it's really easy for me to say I've never seen a movie edited the way this movie's edited and, um, the way that the music carries the film without, um, you know, without making it like a musical movie, really. It's not like, I don't know, that's not like the point of the movie, but he was able to use that as like the driving force for the entire film. And it's just, it's really creative and really interesting. And he continues to just blow me away every time he makes a new movie. Great. So that was Baby Driver. Um, you can get that on Blu-ray and DVD or stream it online. So uh, last one, Sean, you're number one. My number one movie is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, wow. No one going to punt? Is no one going to punt? Yeah. Who who had it on? That was my number two. Okay. And my number nine. I have it on my honorable mentions. Yeah. It's, um, it's, there's so much that I could say about the movie. It's dealing with so many different uh, elements of humanity. The script in this movie is complex and there's so much going on in any given scene. Um, the way it, it it deals with its themes, it'll it'll present a theme in a really unique and interesting way um, and then immediately subvert that theme and then immediately reinforce the theme. Um, all in a matter of a few minutes or a single scene. And it'll, it'll contradict every notion you have about how a story is meant to be told um, or the way a movie is supposed to be structured. Um, and I feel like this movie 
really plays with kind of the crime drama type genre, but like it really doesn't fit in that mold at all. The movie ends in a place that you did not see coming. It ends in a, in a place that is completely different from where you would expect it to go, but ha- it has the ending be perfect for the movie and for the characters. Uh, and yeah, I just, I love the movie. I could talk about the movie for another hour, but um, yeah, incredible performances, brilliantly directed, um, a great score too. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a good movie. Yeah. If, if I had to like one word for me to describe the movie is just like, it's so angry and there's like angers <laughs> expressed in so many different ways in this film, so many different characters and how they deal with, uh, you know, the, the kind of the havoc that she's creating in the town, whether it's, um, justified or not. Um, I like what you said, like how the movie kind of ends in a, in a place that you'd never really expect it to go yet. It's perfect. And it's also like, for me, it was a place I didn't want it to go. And yet I th- still thought it was perfect. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was, I just didn't really know what to expect, but this, I, this guy has such a unique voice, I think. And, uh, like, it just felt like there's just so much anger in like all these, you know, her, uh, the, uh, Francis McDormand, uh, you know, just being this like unmovable, nothing was going to change how she felt. And, um, at least for me, I kind of, like, you kind of think that she's the character that's going to grow. But then as you see, like, Sam Rockwell's character unfold, I kind of saw him as the, his stereotype was someone that's not going to change, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's parts where I'm, like, crying because of the stuff he's going through and, uh, and how heroic he ends up being in certain moments, you know. And it doesn't ever forgive him for the way he is but it's just such a interesting way to experience these characters and and some of the violence is uh pretty shocking too (laughs) i'm really excited like it really made me want to go back and watch this guy's other films because this was so cat like so just confidently uh brilliant filmmaking the whole way through uh yeah i think a lot of people have talked about criticized this movie for uh, what they say is um, unearned redemption of particularly I assume for Sam Rockwell's character and I like for me watching the movie I don't think any character was redeemed I don't think any character was um, kind of held up as the the good guy and I don't think any character was was um, put down as the villain or the bad guy and I think that's what's so great. One of the things that's so great about the movie, it's like it, it's it's asking you to look at life and people more complexly than good and evil or good and good guy, bad guy, or you know um, how we we normally see movies like this. Yeah, exactly. This feels like a great like stage play in the twists that it throws at you along with the story. Um, and I loved that. Yeah. Um, I liked what you said about um, it being, it not redeeming anybody. I think this movie got kind of mixed for some people because of how much time is spent in like the gray area of who people are. 
you know, it, there were a lot of, there weren't clear cut emotions or clear cut characters of how, you know, how you were supposed to feel about people. Everything was kind of in the gray and it was like the good people were kind of bad and the bad people were kind of good and everyone did kind of bad things all the time. And, um, I mean, I thought it was great for that reason. But I think sometimes people have a hard time really embracing, you know, the subtleties of 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 that kind of gray zone. Yeah. And a big shout out to Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell especially. Like, such incredible performances by both of them. And Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Some great acting in this movie. Yeah, the whole cast was really great. Yeah, you know who, you know who's amazing. <laughs> who's Lots amazing of people. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, the redhead guy, um, celeb Laundry Jones. Oh, he was in oh, yeah, Lady Bird great. also. It's, yeah, he's in so many movies. Yeah, and Twin Peaks uh-huh. this year too. Oh yeah, yeah this guy is off the hook. I can't believe Twin Peaks wasn't um, in your guys's top ten list this year. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a movie. Or the uh, Civil sure? War 17-hour documentary. <laughs> I, I did want to say, Derek, you said you were like excited to see Martin McDonough's other films. Um, but also, like he has a play right now that I just found out a couple weeks ago that's off-Broadway called Hangman mm-hmm. um, that he wrote. And I was like, I freaked out when I saw it. And I went to buy tickets. It's totally sold out for its like two-month run that it's doing. Oh, damn. But I think that means like maybe it'll get picked up and be pushed on Broadway. But yeah, it's totally sold out. I could be watching a Martin McDonough play right, <laughs> wow. right now. Wow. I'm really pissed I can't. That's cool. Um, okay. Well, we're going long, so I think we should wrap it up. Um, Okay, cool. So that last movie, though, was Three Billboards Outside of Enemy, Missouri. It's still in theaters right now. It'll become available on DVD and streaming after the Academy Awards. So we already kind of went through our honorable mentions. We've run down a bunch of movies tonight. Um, Our next episode is going to come out mid-March. We're going to talk about um, the first few movies of 2018. I'm guessing uh, we'll be talking about Black Panther, maybe Annihilation, whatever else has come out that's been a big deal. Um, but in the meantime, uh, where can we find you guys online? Brandon? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Beb, that's B-E-B, um, and then also on Instagram uh, by my name, Brandon underscore Bulby. Okay, what about you, Derek? Um, I'm not online a whole lot anymore, but I got you can find me on Letterboxd at Chicken Tech. And if you are really interested, I've been streaming a lot of uh, video games at Mixer.com. Uh, you can find me at Chicken Tech. Nice. Okay, what about you, Sean? Um, if you want, you can follow me on uh, Letterboxd uh, at Bulbinator. Cool. Yeah, I'm on Letterboxd as well at Mothman23. I've been trying to write a lot more reviews this year, so um, if you read something I wrote, you know, let me know if you disagree or not. So, um, yeah, that's wrapping up our episode. Um, This has been the Monthly Movie Dispatch, and uh, we will talk to you later. Have Have a nice time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.